to you. We want to experience all you have for us. Lord, we're so thankful that as we worship, we sense your presence. Your presence is real. Your word says, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And we thank you that today as we come and gather with the people of God, that you're here. You're dwelling among us, that you want to speak, you want to touch, you want to hold, you want to transform. So Lord, just come and be you in our midst today. And Father, we pray as we open up your word, that our hearts would be like tender and receptive soil to it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How are you guys doing this morning? You guys good? Hey, who was at the Halloween Harvest Fest? Give me a little wave here. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, church, so much for coming and serving. We had a ton of people there with us. It was incredible. And boy, we got so many uh, great compliments from it. I, I had one of the elite security team. You saw that we had hired the elite security guards in the red shirts. One of them came up to me and said, man, this was just awesome. I've never seen such a diverse church before. This is how the church should be. Isn't that encouraging to hear? I had uh, a, another person say, man, this is so organized. This is such an organized church. And I said, man, that is all our administrators, our administrative staff, our administrative volunteers. So let's just hear it for them. So, so awesome. I had, uh, I had another person come up and say, you know, I'm, I've been to churches before and uh, usually someone will be kind to you, but I just want to tell you that every person I've met in this church has been so kind and genuine. And I just thought, praise God, he's doing something among us. Now, th- this was kind of an over, over the top encouragement that I just want to pour out on you guys. This guy who had been in ministry for some time said, man, I've been a- around a lot of events but this is the very best one I've ever been at. Now, he was seven years old. It was, um, it, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, he, he was just very, very encouraging, a guy in ministry. And so just so thankful. Thank you for all you that served, that came and loved on people. It, I was so proud. Um, you know, all these different life groups that sponsored a booth. I, I just saw people smiling, people having fun, giving a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus, giving a hot dog in the name of Jesus, just all these, all these wonderful, wonderful expressions of God's love. It was awesome. How about uh, our band just bringing us into some good? I mean, they, they sang where the streets have no name, then they went to La Bamba, then, then they, they even led the Cupid Shuffle. I mean, that was, it was awesome. So just the band, the dance team, it was incredible. And people have asked me how many people responded to the gospel. We, we don't have an exact count, but we did make over 100 uh, response packets and we ran out. So we had over 100 people raising their hand, responding to the gospel. So isn't that awesome? So... Great things, 
great things happening in the last service. I met uh, a handful of people that came because of the event. Several of them even gave their lives to Christ in the last service. So isn't that awesome? So I just love taking what the enemy usually uses as a very dark night where evil is glorified, where blood, death, and gore is magnified, and taking it and just turning it upside down and shining the light of Jesus. Isn't that great? So just wonderful. So many families coming up and saying, hey, thank you so much for providing a safe and positive atmosphere for our kids to actually enjoy this night. So thank you, thank you, thank you, church, for your time, your resources, your gifts. And it's just all worth it to see people's lives transformed and for the community around us to know that God loves them that the church loves them, and that the best party is a kingdom party. Amen? So we just finished our series called The Party in God. Obviously a perfect fitting ending, having this Halloween harvest celebration with just a multitude of people there. You saw it in the video. But we're going to dive into a new series called Draw Near. A new series is going to be a short series called Draw Near. This is much more of a a meaty series uh, in discipleship. We're going to be talking about the importance of drawing near to God, developing a deeper friendship with God. Now, let me just tell you, I'm, I'm glad to have crossed the finish line of this weekend. This weekend, I was taking care of the four kids by myself. So I know, I know you can go ahead and applause, give me, you know, a big hoot and holler. It's amazing. Uh, so my, my wife was speaking at a conference in Nebraska. She just walked in. Um, she, last night, she put on Instagram this picture of her and the, the people at the conference having this big steak dinner. I want you to know that I served ramen noodles and hot dogs to my kids. Uh, stellar, stellar dad right there. Um, so anyway, pe- people, you know, I tell them, yeah, my wife's speaking at a conference this weekend. They're like, well, we'll pray for you. You know, they... <laughs> They, they knew they didn't need to pray for Steph. They prayed for me. So here's the thing, though, from, from being with my kids this week. I, there are so many spiritual lessons that you learn as a parent. There's so many lessons that God downloads about his father heart for us as you become a father yourself. My children all play soccer, and I coach my, my third uh, child's team. And, and this week, he's a great forward. He is just running and gunning for, for a goal. And this kid, at six years old, kids aren't always the most coordinated. And so this little kid, as Joshua's, you know, making a break for the goal, he tries to kick the ball, but somehow totally misses the ball, but kicks Joshua just right in the stomach. Okay. So Joshua, oh, you hear him go, oh, double over and just start crying. The second that happens, here's what Joshua does. He looks up, finds me, and just beelines right for me. His first response was to draw near to his father. And he just comes and buries his head in my chest. Actually, more like my tummy because he's short. But, you know, our, our response in times of pain is to draw near to our father when we're a child. I was thinking about this in different scenarios that our children go through. You've probably had an experience before where one of your children gets left out of something and they're trying to hold back the tears, but as soon as their eyes lock on you, just the tears start streaming down. And what do they do? They run to you and they hide themselves in your arms. 
I, I watch a lot of people come for the first time and they'll walk up the steps with their kids and then they kind of get overwhelmed by uh, the amount of tents, you know, and the, the amount of people and the amount of bagels and coffee out there. And it's funny to watch the kids because what they'll do is they'll just, they'll come into a, an environment where they feel a little more insecure. And what do they do? They wrap themselves around their parents' legs, right? They draw near, you know, it's, it's our natural response to draw near as a child to a loving father. And I want to tell you, it's actually imperative as a child of God that you learn to draw near to your heavenly father. You know, there, there are just some things in life that are imperative. If you don't eat, you'll starve to death and die. You know, if, if you don't sleep, you kind of go loony. You end up going crazy, right? You, you, you don't breathe, you suffocate. In the same way, if you don't draw near to God, you will never become the person he intended you to become. If you don't draw near to God, you will never live out your God-ordained destiny. So let me just take you into three vital components that are downloaded into us as we draw near to the Father. You guys ready to jump in this morning? Let's do it. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. And uh, I don't know if they've handed them out yet, but grab a Bible. Also, if you need a pen, I'm going to be going through a lot of scriptures today. So if you don't have a pen, make sure you pull out something to write with or pull out your, your smartphone. Because I want you to take note of these different scriptures because they're going to be ammunition for us. And here's why I want to say that. I want to tell you that you need ammunition because the enemy is working full time to accuse you. He's working full time to accuse you. And he's trying to accuse the first thing that God's going to deposit in you when you draw near to him. And that is your identity. The first thing that happens when we draw near to Father God is he marks our identity. He marks us with identity. Now, how do we derive our identity in life? You know, for most of us, we start deriving an identity from what we see around us. You're a little kid, you look up at your parents and you go, okay, well, I'm, first of all, I'm a child of these parents. And, and you, you, you look at where you live. Well, I'm a, a San Diegan, right? I'm from this city. We drive ourselves from our surroundings. You look at your brothers and sisters. Well, I guess I'm an athlete. I, uh, you, you, you look at your ethnic group. Well, I'm from uh, this, I'm from this ethnic group. That's how we start deriving our identity. I was at, at a real sweet family's home for dinner in our church the other day, and I just started asking them about their family. And the youngest child looks at us and goes, very proudly, he goes, well, you've got to understand that we're nerds. And I went, excuse me? He goes, yeah, that, that's what we are. Our family are nerds. And I go, okay, well, I've heard that term before, but can you explain that to me? And he goes, well, our family loves computers, and we're really good at them. I was like, okay, that's it, you know. So he was picking up that this is our family identity. Now, what happens if you look at your mother and she's an alcoholic? You look at your father and he's in prison. You look at your ethnic group and you say, man, my ethnic group, people from my country are not doing well right now. You look at your bank account and say, well, we don't have much Money. You look at your brothers and sisters and your sisters are loose and your brothers are troublemakers. And then what does that say about your identity? I want to tell you today that those are all 
external situations. Those are external attributes, but God wants to mark you with an internal identity. And that's your spiritual identity, and your spiritual identity is your true identity. You see, the enemy is working overtime through different voices. There's three main voices that he uses to speak to us. We see that in James chapter 3, verse 15. You don't need to put it down, but you can write it down. Because James chapter 3, verse 15 says that these voices come from the world. Say world. They come from our flesh. Say flesh. And the devil. Say devil. So... This is how it goes. You're just living your life here on earth, but you have these three voices speaking to you. You don't even have to get out of a car. You can just be in a car or on a bus, and you're having these voices from the world. They're coming on billboards. They're coming on the radio. They're saying, you have to look this way. You have to act this way. You have to speak this way. You have to have this thing. And if you don't, then your identity is not good. Your identity is bad. Your identity is worthless. The second one is our own flesh. Now our flesh speaks out to us. And our flesh cries out. Our flesh has cravings. And we think, if I can just have this, if I can just do this, if I can just engage in this, if I just feel this way, then I have a good identity. And then lastly, the worst is the devil. The devil is known as the accuser of the brethren in Revelation And so the devil nonstop is trying to speak into your heart and your mind. You're a loser. No one likes you. No one cares about you. You'll never amount to anything. You might as well end your life. You might as well not show up. You'll never be anything. You'll never amount to anything. You're worthless. And so the enemy is using these voices to speak to us. And that is why we must draw near to God. You must draw near because God is the one who marks us with his identity. He brands us with identity. We must draw near so we get branded with his identity. The first way he does it is through his word. Say word. There you go. Through his word, we get identity. So here you are living out in the world and you're getting just slimed. By the world. You're getting slime. You're feeling all dirty. And God is saying, no, your true identity is in the word. And so you need to take a word shower, right? My kids came home from soccer. They were all dirty. They had just been out, you know, in the dirt, in the mud. And so what do I do? I say, get in that shower, kid. And they get in that shower and it just starts taking off the dirt and the mud and they start getting clean. That's what the Word does. The Word cleans us. Let me just tell you who you are in the Word. Psalm 139 says this, and this is for every person in this room. Psalm 139 says, for you created me, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It was God who created you. I love to say, there's no surprise kids. There's just surprised parents out there. Because God intended you to be. If you're in this room, it's because you were intended by God. God pulled a fast one on some of your parents because he wanted you here in this room today. And you are supposed to be. Let's keep going. It says this. Your works are wonderful. You are made wonderfully. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. 
Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days are ordained for me are written in your book before they came to be. Every single day you live is already written in God's book. It's not happenstance. It's not accident. It's not just you wandering around in the darkness. God has already ordained a perfect plan for you. The Bible says this in 1 John 3, 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that's what we are. You are a child of God. You want to know your true identity? You're a child of God. Now, you get saved. You come to the place where you realize, I need a Savior. I need the Lord Jesus to take up his home in my heart, and you invite him in, and you become a new creation. And this is where the shower really starts taking place, okay? So you, you get your Bible and all of a sudden there are countless scriptures in this book that teach you who you are. Let's just take a little scripture shower for a minute. Can we just start showing some of these scriptures? Romans 5.1 says, I've been justified, completely forgiven, and made righteous. Ooh, that's good. Okay. I feel the trickle. Romans 6, 1 through 6. I died with Christ and, the, and died to the power of sin's rule all my life. Oh, I'm starting to get clean. Okay. Romans 8, 1. I am free forever from condemnation. Let's just keep going. You guys getting clean yet? I've, I've been put into Christ by God's doing. Let's keep, just keep going. I've received the Spirit of God into my life that I might know the things freely given to me by God. I, I have been given the mind of Christ. You start having these accusing voices that start coming to your mind. You say, uh-uh, I've been given the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. Keep going. I've been bought with a price. I'm not my own. You say, devil, get back. I've been bought with a price. I'm not my own. I belong to God. Isn't that good? Let's keep going. I've been established, anointed, and sealed by Christ and God. Established, anointed, and sealed by God. Established. I mean, you can even make up little raps about your identity. Okay? This stuff is going to change you. Since I've died, I no longer live for myself but for him. Okay? I have been made righteous. You are not dirty in this room. If you've given your life to Christ, you've been made righteous. I've been crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live. But it's Jesus Christ living in me. We can just stop there. Isn't that good? This is who you are. This is your true identity. And I want to encourage you. Hopefully you wrote some of those references down. These are things I, I, I wake up, you know, and I'm all gloomy. And I'm like, oh, no, another day. Oh, you know, and I, I didn't get everything done yesterday. I can't believe I did that yesterday. I can't believe I said that to Steph. And I just start getting bombarded. You know, I don't even want to go to work today. And then I start saying, no, no, no. I'm a new creation. I'm bought with a price. I'm the salt of the earth. I'm the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Right? I, I, I've been made righteous in Christ. And you start saying these, these characteristics of your true identity. It's ammunition. You need to pull out your identity gun. And start firing these bullets at the enemy when he comes after you. Now, it's not just what you receive from Scripture, though. That should be enough, but here's, here's the amazing thing. You know, my kids, as Herbers, they all have some common characteristics, right? They all have 
you look at them, they all have about the same color hair. They have some same facial features. They all have the same parents. They all live in the same house. They, they have the same resources. But are all my kids the exact same? No, they're, they're not the same. And so as they come near to me, I like to speak their specific identity over them. So Hallie, you know, she's my, my little girl that just turned 10 this week. She is so cute, so beautiful. She won't get married till she's 40, but she's, <laughs> she is, she is so, and, and so I say, Hallie, you're so graceful. She's, I mean, she just kind of floats through a room, right? And, and, and I say, Hallie, you're my little princess. And I, I love how thoughtful, you're so thoughtful. And, and, and she's so loving towards me. And so I speak these things over her. Now, Hudson, Hudson's different than Hallie, right? Now, Hudson, I call my brother, Teresa. He, he is so compassionate. He is so compassionate towards people. And he's so persevering, man. You see him out on the soccer field. He just won't, he won't give up. He won't quit. He's just out there. He's, he's so persevering. Now, now Joshua, my third, is different than that. Joshua is, man, fits his name. He is strong and courageous, right? You don't want to mess with Joshua. You know, he might be six, but he's, he's strong. And, and so he's different than John Mark. John Mark, he never stops smiling, right? John Mark is my little joker. He's just always jovial. And so each of my kids have a specific identity. And I speak that over them as they draw near to me. I love to pull my kids in my lap and tell them what I specifically love about them. Now, here's the application. The Bible says that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the Father's mouth. God actually spoke over Jesus. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He actually spoke that. Do you know that God wants to speak over you what he loves about you? God wants to tell you by his Holy Spirit. This is one of my favorite things to do with people. As they first come to Christ, I, I like to tell them, hey, you just have come into a relationship with a father who adores you and sees you personally. And so why don't we just take a moment to quiet ourselves, to close our eyes, and to ask him to speak. And I love seeing what they hear. I want to tell you that you need to do that because you're desperate to know, you know, what does this person say about me? Why do we love encouragement so much? Because we want to know what people think about us. How much more important is it for you to hear what your heavenly father thinks about you? So this is one of my favorite questions that I love to teach people to do. Ask God, do it when you get home. Just take some time, be silent either tonight or tomorrow morning. Just be silent and say, God, what do you love about me? Don't, don't feel bad about asking that question. I love it when my kids just come and sit to receive from me. I love speaking over them. It's my pleasure as a loving father. He wants to tell you what he loves about you. He wants to tell you that. So we're marked with identity as we draw near to God. Secondly, the second point as we draw near to God, he deposits in us security. He deposits in us security. Now, you know if you're a parent in this room, and actually you know if you've ever been a child, which is everyone in this room, that children at times wake up scared in the middle of the night, right? You hear this, ah! you know, and you, you jump up, and, oh, what's going on, right? So what, what happens? They are scared. They're in their room. It's dark. It's scary. And so what happens? A lot of times as a parent, when your kid is scared, you know, you roll over, you open up the covers and you say, come here. You know, you're just trying to survive, you know, and, and your kids come 
and they're all wired and they're all scared. But the crazy thing is this. The second they lay down beside you, they're out. Right? I mean, they go from totally amped in the middle of the night to getting in your bed. You open the covers. You're like, oh, Lord, help me. They're out. Why? Because they feel secure. They're in the presence of someone bigger and stronger that they know can take care of them. I want to tell you that you need to draw near to God so he can deposit security in you. Let me tell you about three different types of security that you need in order to live a peaceful life. God wants you to live a peaceful life. The people of God should be the most peaceful on earth. The number one deposit of security is this. It's eternal security. It is so sad to me how many Christians don't know if they're going to go to heaven when they die. It's so sad to me when, when Christians say, you know, Robert, I don't really know if I'm saved. They, they spend years in the church. I, I'll meet with, with men in their 50s and 60s, and they'll say, you know, I, I think I'm saved. I'm not sure. Why is that? You know, it's because years ago they prayed a prayer. They confessed with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. They believed in their heart that God raised them from the dead, and they were saved. They truly got saved. It's a free gift. But because they haven't drawn near to God, they don't experience that closeness. And so they don't know if they are saved. When you are walking closely with God, you don't question that. Now, I'm not saying that you have to walk all the time closely with God to be saved. No, it's a free gift. But when you do walk closely, when my child climbs in bed next to me, that is when they know they're safe. They were always safe. They were in my house, right? And I'm a tough guy, so I'm going to take care of them. But when they climb next to me is when they know, oh, yeah, daddy's big. Wow, look at those biceps. And they, and they feel, they, why are you laughing? Why, they, they feel safe. We, he affirms our eternal security. The Bible says this, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Neither height nor depth nor angels nor demons nor anything in all creation can separate you from the love of God. The Bible says that when you were saved, he put the seal of his Holy Spirit to a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. When you were saved, he puts that deposit in you. You can know that if you've given your life to Christ, that you have an eternal destiny that's set and firm. But we start to question it when we draw away. That's why we need to draw near. Secondly, our, our physical safety. God loves to affirm our physical safety. Now, I watch, especially as a father with kids, I watch people that are so concerned about physical safety. They're like, you know, they're out on the playground. You're going to fall. And the kids like climbed on the first rung of the monkey bars. You know, I mean, the kid is like seriously six inches off the ground. They're like, oh my gosh. They run over, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, uh, you're going to be okay. The, 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 the reason is because the enemy loves to sow fear into us. The enemy loves to play through fear. But the Bible says that God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. You know that you have fear if every night you walk over to your door at your house and you lock it once and then you lock it and then you check it again and then you check it again and then you check it again and then you check it again. Have you ever seen people do that before? Okay, or if you've been hanging in your house all night long, and it's been really peaceful, but before you go to bed, you kind of like get down to look under your bed like someone kind of came through the TV. You know what I'm talking about. You know, you kind of look in your closet, you know, you kind of move. Oh. You know, it, it, what is that? 
That's not you. That's the enemy trying to put fear in your heart. When you draw near to God, he takes that fear out. He extracts it. He takes that spirit of fear away and gives you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. If you are dealing with fear, I want to tell you that God's wanting you to draw near, right? It's drawing near. It's not just making sure that nothing can happen to you, right? It's dangerous out there. You put your life at risk coming to church today, right? Way to go. But what we need is not to be safer. What we need is to draw near to God. The Bible says this, all your days are ordained in his book. You are not going to go until he says it's time to go. So you don't need to be freaking out all the time. You are protected. The angels of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. You have angels encamping around you. Right? Someone, someone look at your neighbor and say, what was a big angel over you? That was awesome. <laughs> Let, let's, let's, let's keep going. Okay. Last, last thing, security. He gives you emotional security. I, I remember, man, I was such an insecure person. I, I remember, not just as a kid, not just in junior high where everyone's insecure, not, not just in high school. In college, I was so insecure. I'd walk into a party, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, does anyone see me? Who am I going to talk to? What do I look like? You know, what, what should I do? Oh, my goodness. You know, I was just so insecure. And, and we think, well, if I just do this or accomplish that or look like this, I'm going to be secure. That's not true. People do all kinds of things for emotional security. Right? They, they get surgeries all over their body thinking, if I just, you know, have this look... I will, if, if my nose was smaller, I would be secure, right? And so they do really crazy things, right? If, if I just had more money in the bank, I would be secure. And so they, they do all kinds of weird financial maneuvers just to have more money, but it doesn't make them more secure. They date people they should never date because they want to be secure, right? Don't be nudging your boyfriend and girlfriend right now if you're in here, but... People marry people that they should have never married just because they are so longing for emotional security. We do all, have you ever met someone and it's your first time to meet them and they start telling you all the things that are awesome about themselves and you're like, I don't really know what to do. Awesome. Cool. You know, wow, you did that. Wow. You know, I mean, what do you say? It's awkward. You know, you're just kind of like, oh, get me out of here. You know, this is people do weird things when they're insecure. I don't want you to be weird. Please draw near to God. Right? Let's be the unweird church. People come in. I've never met people so secure because they've drawn near to God. Here's the last one. Here's the last one. When we draw near to God, he refines us. For purity. He refines us. So, so first of all, you see, he, he's marking your identity so you know who you are. Secondly, he's depositing security so you're living in peace and contentment. And thirdly, he refines you for purity. Now, this one I might need to explain a little. The, the Bible says that our God is a consuming fire. God's a consuming fire fire. It'd be really interesting to do a study of fire in scripture. I encourage you to do that at some point. 
Last week in our conclusion of our series of the, of the partying God, we talked about Revelation chapter 4 and how there's fire before the throne. The scripture actually goes on in Revelation to say that there's a river of fire coming forth from the throne. That's really cool. In Revelation chapter 1, it says when you look at Jesus' eyes, his eyes are like fire. So you're looking at Jesus, his eyes are like fire. Now, how does that fire affect you? Here's how it affects you. It's a refining fire. So you get in the presence of God with your sinfulness and your, your dirt, and, and, and that fire comes and burns away the sin. Now, why is this so important? A lot of us just don't understand the seriousness of sin. We just think it's fun and God would rather us be clean, but you know, it's okay to walk into sin. Can we bring the sin out here? I, I have a little visual illustration for you. So here are these little sins, and, and we think they're not that big a deal. I just picked four just random sins, okay? So we're thinking, you know, I'm just going to experiment a little with drugs, and it's going to be just, it's going to be fun. It's not a big deal. It's just a little sin, and God's going to forgive me anyway, and so why not? Or, you know, sex. Well, this is a big one here, you know? I mean, we're, it's, our culture's inundated with sex, and, you know, if it feels good, why can't I just get involved with it? Or, or judging. Some of you don't even know that judging's a sin, right? So, and you're judging me right now. And, and then you're going to go outside of church and gossip about me. And these are sins. So here's, here's the deal. So here you are just living your life. Can, can you give me you? Okay. So here is you right here. Let's bring out you to right here. So here's you. Okay. You see you over here. Okay. Here's you right here. Here is you right here. Here, here's you. And you is just living your own life. And, but all of a sudden you start getting drawn to sin and you're like, Ooh, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to try a little drug. So you comes over here and go, you know, I'm just going to try this little and just kind of enjoys the little drugs. But what you don't know is, Whoa, it's the devil. I saw you on Halloween and, uh, and you all of a sudden has a chain on your, uh, on your arm because sin is never just fun. It's Intent from John chapter 10, verse 10, is the thief, wow, came only to steal. You're a little too good at that job. Uh, the thief came only to steal, kill, and destroy. So you got into sin, and, and you didn't know that all of a sudden you was going to have a chain on his arm. So then he's like, well, oh, you just get all twisted. Okay, so then you... It's like, well, you know, that girl's really good looking. And so I'm just going to get involved a little with her. And so you jumps into to sex, but you didn't know, wow, it was the enemy's scheme to put you in bondage. And so then you's like, okay, well, you know, just walking around. Well, I'm not doing anything, but man, that person, you know, they're sure a jerk. And I, I'm sure glad I'm not like them. But all of a sudden there's another, ooh, chain around his neck. And then he starts talking about people and you're just thinking, you know, it just feels good to gossip, right? But you have no idea that all of a sudden, okay, all of a sudden you is way down. You is a slave. Okay. You is a slave to sin. Okay. And so you just want to get a, you want to get, you wants to get free from, you should try this right now. You wants to get free, but all of a sudden you is weighted down. So we try to, 
use heavy now. And so you can't get free. So all of a sudden you realize there's nothing that, that you can do to get free. And so he remembers, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. So all of a sudden you're like, okay, I'm going to start drawing near. And so you just struggles to get over and to draw near to God. God, help me. I'm stuck. I have all these chains. And you draw near to God. And guess what? God draws near to you. So all of a sudden, here comes God. And God, here's God. And, and God is a consuming fire. And so God takes his fire and he puts it to your chains. And, and look at this. This is really... Cool, I'm going to say, if you have a fire extinguisher, come on and make sure we're okay here. So all of a sudden, God is taking his fire and look at that. Isn't that cool? All of a sudden, you, what, what, what's happening? Sin is a dangerous thing. And, um, wow, wow. You, you never know what's going to happen at church. Okay. You, uh, let's give God a hand. That's why we always have water and fire extinguishers at church. You gets free. You is free by the refining fire of God. Can we come take you away? Okay, let's give a hand to these guys. When we draw near to God, it's not just a nice religious thing. It's not just, oh, that's a good idea. No, it's imperative for you to draw near to God so that you can understand your true identity. I want to tell you that there's no one happier than the person who understands their true identity. In Christ. I want to tell you that there's no one more peaceful than those who have had their security deposited in them by near, drawing near to God. And I want to tell you that there's no one freer than those who have been refined by the fire of God's purity. There's no one more free. Some of you today feel like you're in the bonds of sin. You feel weighted down. And God wants to take his fire and burn away the dross and to set you free and to cleanse you. God wants you to draw near to him. And as you do, it transforms your life. Can we just pray now? Father, we want to be people who draw near to you. We, we understand it's, it's not just some little thing that we can do, but it is something that will transform us. You want to give us life, and you want to give it more abundantly. But it, it takes drawing near to you. And Lord, today, I believe your arms are just open. The Word says that your arms are open wide. And in fact, that you're knocking on the door of our hearts. And if we just open up the door, that you'll come in and commune with us. I want you to just ask the Lord what he's wanting to do in your heart today. Just ask him. Say, God, what's the aspect of this message that you're wanting me to lock onto? I want to tell you, some in this room, maybe you never have drawn near to God. Maybe you're not sure that Jesus is actually living in you. When I started going over those verses about 
Christ living in you, you'd, you'd say, Pastor, I don't know if Christ is living in me. And I don't know if I'll go to heaven when I die. I don't know that I'm saved. If, if you're not 100% sure of that, I want to tell you that today's a great day to nail that down. All you have to do is ask. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you want to nail that down today, if you want to give Jesus your life and for him to come in, just pray with me right now. Just say this, Jesus, I confess I've sinned. You can just repeat it right after me if this is the prayer of your heart. I confess that I've sinned. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for rising from the dead. And now I ask you to come into my life, to forgive me, to make me clean, and to put your Holy Spirit inside of me. And I'll follow you forever.